Hello, everyone. Welcome to Other Record. This is Rebecca. And today's episode is a very special episode because we have our very first guest. Our guest is a woman who has been an inspiration in my life, a huge blessing and someone who always pushes me to be a better version of myself. I am so happy to introduce Glenda Kith to our Other Record community. Glenda Kith is a data analyst for the Alameda County for a nonprofit organization, and we met when working together for the Department of Public Health in San Francisco. Glenda has a master's of science in behavior health. She is also an amazing daughter, sister, auntie, and friend. I was so happy to be able to have an open conversation about life, family, academics, barriers, and faith. I hope you enjoy this episode and give it lots of love. Welcome, Glenda. Thank you so much for being here. Honestly, it's a privilege. So thank you. No, it's a privilege to know you and talk with you. This is a wonderful um, wonderful opportunity just to just a chat. Thanks, thanks. No, but honestly, I've been thinking about you since we started Other Record, um, because I felt like uh, like your story is so important. That's which is what I told you before. <laughs> that I think um, it's such a a unique story, you know, about what God has done in your life, but also um, how you see God. Like you have a different perspective of it. Because you know how I grew up, but, um, you know, and I know how you grew up and everything, too. But I think it was just so I'm super excited. I'm just excited to <laughs> to have yes. you and to talk to you today. So um, welcome one more time. Um, so you're our first guest. We have never had a guest outside of the three of us. So it's an honor. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Um, so do you remember the first time you met? Yes, I do. So we were working at Zuckerberg San Francisco General Hospital or San Francisco General. um, And I was hired and Mm -hmm. I was like, basically, they hired me as an intern, but I was really doing more higher level stuff. And then um, I came As she always does. (laughs) (laughs) I make sure I do some high level (laughs) stuff. I can't do, I cannot not put my, you know, sprinkle my stuff on it. Anyways, I um, remember you and um, you're sitting and you're looking at the computer and I came in and and, I introduced myself and it's always different. It's always weird to be the the new person because you're like, Mm -hmm. hi, (laughs) you you don't want to like interrupt people's work, um, but you do want to get to know people. And I like to get to know people. I like to hear their their stories because it helps me understand and like like understand their humanity understand like how can I communicate with them Mm -hmm. um and like see them as like a whole person so I think I was it's always like a nervous thing because I like want to learn about some about people and um I think you're a tough cookie (laughs) when I met you no really yeah (laughs) Now this girl, she didn't break people's teeth with her, <laughs> how tough she is. But she, now you're super sweet. I know that you're dedicated. You're super focused. Um, and I think we got to know each other like slowly, but I think we got to have a great understanding 
of each other and, and like a foundation of respect, which I think is, which is good in all relationships. Yeah. Um, I remember, yeah, I remember the first time yeah. I saw you though. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. my gosh. I'm um, ready for this. No, I knew you were an intern because like you said, um, they had hired you as an intern, right? Mm-hmm. As part of your field work. I think that's what yes. it was. Yeah. Your yeah. field work experience. And I heard like Glenda this, Glenda that. Like you were doing so many like data analysis and you were doing like another project. I don't know. You were like involved with a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, who is this? Because we don't need, we have never met you. So yeah. um, when I finally saw you, I'm like, wow, like, is not what I imagined. And at the same time, it kind of is. You know how like you picture people with their names? Because that's the mm-hmm. only thing you hear about them. But then, um, the main thing I remember about you is that you always carried your keys like around <laughs> your neck and and then you would always be walking like you would never stay still like you were always like move 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 move. oh yeah like, that's my Geez. personality yeah I cannot stand for too long yeah. you know up until like recently I couldn't even sit to watch a movie <laughs> because I was always like gotta go gotta do yeah. something um on a mission so um I kind of started off as a traditional student and I went to Cal and I graduated, but there's more to it, girl. We'll go into that yes, please. in a little bit. <laughs> what do you mean by traditional? But just like, you know, like I'm, a normal college student, like just going here and there. Is that what you mean by traditional? Yeah. I mean, nor- like traditional in that I, but the big story that kind of changed my life kind of it happened right after but I I should actually say that my whole life has been (laughs) changing my life but um so I was a you know college student wanted to go to wanted to go into medical school I wanted to or graduate school and um my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer Mm -hmm. and so that's when life hit me (laughs) and I had to really think about what is it that I want to um bring to the world like it was Mm -hmm. more than having a career for me and making money I think everybody wants that right uh but there's like a this part of me that like knew that I needed to do something about the experiences that I had and I'll go dive into those experiences so my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer and I have three sisters who have uh developmental disabilities so I became the primary caretaker for both her and my sisters. And while I was doing that and navigating the healthcare system and, you know, trying to get social services, I realized how our system isn't necessarily set up for someone like me and our family Mm -hmm. to, to like be able to access everything and, and, um, easily and um, survive. Mm. And so for, so I, you know, went to work. Uh, I was trying to get myself into graduate school. I was taking care of my mom and my, like my trajectory changed from like, I just need to go to graduate school and make money to how can I use my experiences to make this world a better place? And then I end up finding this video about this master's program and it talked about public health Mm -hmm. and health in general in a different way than I was like traditionally taught and it was talking about the all all the parts of it like you know 
what services we have access to, what institutions we have, but beyond that, like what's going on in the community, you know, the culture that, that the community comes in with, um, the psychology or like what, what has, what's going on in the, the people's minds and hearts of that mm-hmm. community, um, what attributes to behaviors um, and how all that interacts. And it's very complex. And I think it's complex for somebody, especially somebody who's outside the system that, you know, are not really from those communities and not, not, um, not being served by those services and participating in the services of the institutions. Um, and so what made it easier for me is that I gone through that system, gone through the healthcare system, been lost, Yeah, you know, had to advocate for my mom and my sisters. Um, and saw that it may be like, there's something there that I could use, like I could use my experiences and the pain from that experience mm. to make uh, wherever I go, a little bit of a brighter place, like that, a place where sees. I, I think right there, where, human, where, where you said you know? like you can um, use what you've gone through, right, to make the world a better place. I think that's the reason why we connected so much because you always came with heart. Like every speech you did, you know, every project you brought to the team during those time, like during the time that we worked together, you always did it with such a passion. And I was like why is she so passionate about it and um I was pretty impressed I have to be honest because you did it with such a heart like it it could be felt every time you spoke you know and every time you mentioned like we need to do this for our community or we have to or we can or this is the way to do it and even when somebody asked you for help you easily did it but you you never did it like half-hearted I don't know if I ever told you that, but I just think that you carry a lot of, you know, your heart with you. And I think I think that's what makes you like an amazing person to work with, like just not a colleague. But um, like you said in the beginning, like we we grew to respect each other. And I think it was because of that, because you came that way. So um, and that's interesting that you say, like, you know, you were lost in that system Mm -hmm. and you kept going. Right. Because you went to graduate school. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like after watching the video, it was a USF or what, what was it? Yeah, it was USF. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, no, no. It was USF the way in the way they defined like the complex um, system of health. Okay. But I don't think that USF is like super progressive in all its thinking mm. and in all its staff. I, I didn't necessarily say that. <laughs> I think there's a lot of, a lot of for every institution. Um, space to grow there's space to grow yeah and so but just watching the video helped me know that there is a st- area of study mm-hmm. that takes in all the elements that I have thoroughly been experiencing mm-hmm. and I wanted to learn more about all of these things and apply them in a way where I could possibly make some sort of change or you know try to make change do you feel um, like you accomplished that? I think that it's going to be an ongoing task <laughs> because I feel like if I did accomplish this, maybe I'll, I would want to seek something different. But I feel like there, at, the more and more I'm exposed to different institutions, I find ways that there could be room for improvement and mm-hmm. there room for that human element. And that I think that's what I... I always hope to bring in my projects. I'm, I'm super like systematic in my thinking. Yeah. 
but I think that I I come with like this my experience of being a human being and with heart and, and coming with that heart yeah yeah but I, there's more to it yeah <laughs> no, no, no. More. I know yeah. I know and I and I think that's where um I, I want to jump into that but I remember like when you mentioned that you know we because we got to know each other professionally that's how we got to know each mm-hmm. other yeah and then we became um like we respected each other and then we became mm-hmm. friends because mm-hmm. little by little we started opening up a little bit more of our stories right like our family mm-hmm. how we grew up and then mm-hmm. also like the struggles that come with uh being like the first one to do something in our families or yeah. or um other stuff but then we, ta- we then we started talking about our faith so it just it became oh. like a um progressively like it just grew that way and i think it was meant to be that way but um i I think that's the reason why i love you so much and i am so happy that you're in my life because i related to you like so easily because we had similar upbringings and you grew up in oakland well actually it kind of jumped around so i grew up in alameda which is a nice little town but there is a place in alameda called the parrot village housing projects Mm -hmm. and so they subsidize housing it's like a cluster of subsidized housing for people who are low income and what tends the people that tend to be in those communities um, I think are great people actually from my experience but they tend to be like the outskirts of society like Mm -hmm. uh, people who have disabilities you know people who are immigrants people um, who've been disenfranchised um, so that's the background I have. And that also lends to like why I have the heart that I have and why I focus so much on humanity. And then you jumped around to, so Alameda so, and then so Alameda and I lived in El Sobrante, which is in my Richmond area. I lived in Berkeley. I lived in Newark. I lived in oh my Castro God. Valley. <laughs> Whoa. I lived in. <laughs> Alejandro in Oakland, and now I'm living in Hayward. So, Jeez. Um, gentrification is real. <laughs> Definitely, we know that. I live in San Francisco. I see it every day. Um, yeah. But it's so interesting. Like, how long were you moving around? Like, is it your childhood or was it like youth? Actually, most of my childhood was in the housing projects in Alameda, mm-hmm. and then when I got older like in my teenage years and early adulthood until now, it's where I jumped around. Wow. Do you, what do you take from living in the projects? Like, what do you take with you? What do I take with me? I, there's a lot, there's a lot. You can move somebody out of the projects, but you can't move the projects out of them. Yeah. I think there's like a, it depends. Like there's a lot of different things. So one thing that I, I truly have living within me is this like acceptance that everyone has a story because mm. I have one of the things I really like to do and um so they called okay let me back up <laughs> I want to be it's it's funny because uh, my mom she worked a lot there are times where she worked a lot mm-hmm. and so we kind of kids were you know, at our own devices and we would just, you know, roam around our neighborhoods and what I liked doing when I was a kid, and they called us baby kids. <laughs> um, I was a baby kid and I would roam around the, the neighborhood and I would just 
join people in their conversation and listen to their stories. I mean, there's nothing for me to do. I'm a kid. And so when I would sit and listen to people's stories, you know, it would, it made an impression on me. Like it helped me understand like what went in their lives, Mm -hmm. how they became the way, you know, they turned out or how did certain things turn out in their lives. And, um, had me have much more respect for people who who you think are like the rejects and the, and mm-hmm. the outcasts. What's one, it, one story that you still remember to this day of somebody that you so jumped in stories. as a weirdo <laughs> into their <laughs> conversation? No, this is one. Okay, it's really funny. Okay. I don't know. I, I can't remember any one particular, like all of the stories, but I know there's a collection of stories. Yeah. But I remember there's this guy who... He had a substance abuse problem and he had family. It was like generations and generations of his family in living in that housing project. And he was such a good person. (laughs) He didn't have much, but every payday, we knew it was his payday because whenever he had payday, he would get all the kids together and there was an ice cream truck that would come around. And he was like, you know, he he was like, okay, kids, like, get what you want. But, you know, all of us, like, we didn't actually get the most expensive ice cream. We yeah. wanted to be economical because... Save him money. There's, like, a share. <laughs> but there's a shared idea of community, and he was a part of our community. And even though he had been... he, you, People can look down on him for, you know, using substances to mm-hmm. get away. He um, he still had heart. And, um, and so I... You know, it. what I do remember, I don't remember anything in particular, but what I do remember is that there was generations of this family living in the housing projects. Um, there was experiences that, that um, brought him into um, substance abuse. Mm-hmm. That didn't define him. Like mm-hmm. who, who, what defined him is who he was and his relationship with the community, which actually was a pretty positive, like the kids loved to see him Aww. and so he was a he was a good he in my eyes he was a good person even though he was seen he could be seen uh, by society as somebody bad for you know the substance abuse so so that was one there's there's so there's so many and like I think my family's experience is just I could talk about mine yeah as an example so um my father was had gone through experience of war um, and genocide. He came to America. My mom, um, she was a, she was an immigrant, but she also um, experienced um, domestic abuse. And them together, they they had all six six of us or six girls. Whoa, it's six a, girls. Maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's an interesting story. So he didn't have such substance abuse before, but he turned to substance abuse to deal with his, the trauma, PTSD. his trauma that he experienced, mm-hmm, PTSD. And he became, became violent with his family. Mm. And we suffered, like my family suffered with domestic abuse for so, for many years until my mo- mother escaped and it's a crazy escape story. Um, and then she escaped and she, she raised us as, 
you know, six, as a single mother, six girls as a single mother. And we lived in the housing projects and she um, was on welfare and she, you know, we did the social services. My sisters have, I have three sisters with disabilities, developmental disabilities. And um, that's kind of why we end up, ended up in the housing projects, ended up um, under um, welfare. But there are things in our story that is unique because um, there are times that my mom reached out for help from law enforcement, help mm -hmm. from hospitals that she was going to for her injuries and she wasn't getting the help. Wow. And it was seen at the time, her domestic abuse as something between um, a husband and a wife. So it wasn't really like thoroughly investigated. And so she didn't really have that uh, a champion wow. to advocate for her. And then on top of that, she had, on top of her trauma, she, you know, English wasn't her first language. So it was harder to communicate. And so I'm, I'm, I'm seeing my mo mother as um, gone through all of this. And, but I see her in such a strong light because she raised all six of us. Mm -hmm. And so every time she was out there, you know, applying for food stamps or, you know, I saw her as a, a strong person. Yeah. Yeah. She wasn't like a weak person who poor her something's wrong with her it was like she was trying to survive and that was that made it special and to this day like so three of my sisters so me and my other two sisters graduated college mm -hmm. and my other three sisters have developmental disabilities they went and they did you know they completed high school and they even um were involved in in after high school like college classes too mm -hmm. So it wasn't about potential. I think it that what happened to us didn't define our potential. Mm -hmm. I think honestly, just hearing that it like I think many people can relate to you, you know, mm -hmm. from coming like that. Because when you say like you know her, I mean, you're not the oldest, right? No, I'm the youngest. <laughs> I'm the youngest. You sound like you're the oldest. You're like, and I saw my mom and when, you know, and I was like, wow. But I remember you telling me that you're not the oldest. I was like, um, I was really impressed because, you know, when you say like you, you saw her like waiting for food stamps. I remember every summer we were so excited because I grew up in the projects, Chinatown projects too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, in San Francisco and it's, I know it's a different story, um, but I remember like the struggle that goes into it. And we're seven. We're seven children total. Mm -hmm. um, one of our siblings is like super older. So he's like 12 years older than I am. So it was a little bit different. But either way, he, you know, it was seven of us. And every summer, I remember we would go to Jesse Street by like, I don't know, it was Tenderloin or the Mission or something. And my mom would be like, okay, today you guys are getting new backpacks. And then we were so excited because it was like the Salvation Army. And mm -hmm. they like seriously, all these um, organizations, I know they work. The American Red Cross, when our apartment built down, Salvation Army to provide clothes and also, um, uh, you know, everything we needed for school. And then um, other like food stamps also like we all went through that. And I think it was mm -hmm. such like uh, you do learn and you and it's. I think for you, even when you tell the story of the guy who um, 
saved up his money or his paycheck <laughs> to buy the kids ice cream, like such a simple act of kindness. And yeah. even then you, you didn't say like, you know, what's wrong with you. Right. Cause many mm -hmm. adults would be like, stop hanging out with that man or, or don't get close to him. Or, you know, he's a bad influence or a bad example. But you, even when you were younger, you were still like asking the question of what happened to you, not what's wrong with you. And I think I saw that, I don't know if it was in a video or I read it where they did a, uh, you know, a test or something about that when people have gone through terrible circumstances, that is actually healthier to ask somebody what happened to you instead of what's wrong with you. Because mm -hmm. it, one of them shows um, empathy and the other one doesn't. <laughs> um, yes. and, and I think, um, it, I think it's tough. I, I think it's a difficult thing, um, you know, to grow up in, in an environment like that. And you're right. It doesn't define us. It does. It, we do stay with it, though. You know, a lot yeah. of the things that we do go through. It shapes us for sure. It mm -hmm. shapes us. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, one of the things just going back to like these, there are services that I like the, you know, Salvation Army and like, you know, um, food banks and stuff like I really support them. Um, but I know the experience that my mom had and like one of the experiences. Uh, so we would go to. We live in Alameda, but the, the office, the welfare office was in Oakland. So we would take, uh, I would go with my mom, we'd take a bus and we would, you know, walk pretty far and it would wait in this line that went literally all the way around the block. And so we'd be waiting hours to get just into the building, wow. just into the building. And it's, it would sometimes be really hot. We had nowhere to sit. And then when it we would get in, um, I feel like the I felt like the person who was on the other side of the window who would be helping us, she he, she would really be, would often be, times be frustrated. Mm -hmm. And I think what people don't see, and the reason why I put humanity in in the in my work, is that um, that person sees their frustration because they're like serving one person another after another person, like the worker, um, and that's frustrating. But the person who is waiting for two three hours in the sun. Um, and then um, nowhere to sit and they get to the front and they're getting yelled at it's, and then on top of that they know that they're not making as much in their own they're begging they feel like they're begging for their money yeah. for money that um, that's dehumanizing mm -hmm. and that's that's why it's so important for me, for me to put the human aspect into my work is because beyond the what is physically given mm -hmm. it's there's also a feeling uh, that that um people get from going through these experiences no for so, sure yeah yeah i remember it's not it's complicated movies. right yeah it it's is. it's complicated yeah. even like you, so i remember going to the food bank yeah when i was a little kid i would literally have no shoes we were like pretty poor I'm super hungry, nothing in my house, no food. We just don't didn't have food. We didn't have enough money for food. Yeah. Um, and I would walk like a mile to go to the food bank. Mm -hmm. And then uh, when I was a little kid, they would they would be okay with letting me in and getting some food. Mm -hmm. um, and then when they and then when I got older, there you know there was it was more technical and I couldn't get food, so I would literally be starving outside. <laughs> They're like, "Nope, sorry, you can't get food because you need these identification. You need this and that." Wow. And and what do you say? Like, how do you how do you 
be a human and work there and you see this kid who's like no shoes Mm -hmm. very hungry saying they're hungry they want something and you have to turn them away so like it's a kind of like a uh like um an odd relationship we have with these social services angry people with the government (laughs) you appreciate it but at the same time you know that they could be better yeah yeah even when you're little you recognize it though um and i i remember it, it's either because um, more people, you know, are getting poor or um, in more dire circumstances that they started cutting back, like a lot of the services as well. Um, because even, I don't know if you know this, but the police and also the firefighters used to give like Christmas presents. To, oh, yes. Okay. I remember that. So you got that too. Okay. Yeah. Um, so they used to do that and then they would give you like a you know, a little wheelbarrow for you to carry all your presents. And we were seven, right? So um, we would always get like at least two or three presents each. When you were a baby, it was more because they had more for toddlers, basically. But when we got older um, and started aging out, because there is an age limit as well to all those services, I think the last time we got anything was when we were 12. So it's seventh grade. Um, And that affects you because... um, you literally don't have anything. And many people assume like, oh, you're poor because you want to be poor. And that's something I just do not respect when people have never gone through those type of circumstances. And they assume, right? Because that's an assumption that they're making of like, you could do this or you could do that. Different circumstances are for different people and different things like what happened right like you know because you even describe right now like your dad like was a veteran they do experience my dad it was is also a veteran probably not the u.s veteran but from his country mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. different things come with that in your family in your household and then a mom that has to basically you know try to do everything she can for her children while her husband works so it's like different circumstances and and i think in my case because I grew up a Christian. Um, my relying on God was the only thing that really kept me, you know, from doubting. Because even like being poor, you're like, why are we poor if we believe in a powerful God? Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like those type of questions when you're little as well. Um, and I and that's where I want to jump in now. Like, when did God become like, you know, a concept that you understood? Like, what was the earliest memories of you? You know, even during all that, like moving around, you know, mm-hmm. your mom escaping your dad and then, you know, going through all this craziness of your youth. Mm-hmm. Like, when did God become like part of you? Do you remember? I, you know, I would, I couldn't pinpoint like a particular like age or date. Um, my mom actually, so my mom, she, she grew up Catholic. She she's Catholic, and mm-hmm. she wanted us to become Catholic. And in in the Philippines, where she was, you know, growing up, uh, all the Sunday schools and everything was free. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she assumed that it was like that here. And so uh, she went to our local church. and would go there every uh, Sunday. It was hard because she had all these kids bars. <laughs> um, and she went after mass, and she asked can I enroll my kids into Sunday school? Mm-hmm. And you, there was a miscommunication because he was asking for money, but she, she was telling him like, 
she didn't understand why he was asking her for money because it was free in her country. Um, and uh, she didn't have the money. Mm. So we, like, they had this argument and then that was it. And, like, we couldn't. She was, I remember her being frustrated and she was like, oh, I was trying to get you guys to Sunday school and now I can't do that. And so she, what she did is when she was home, times got hard. There were times where we didn't have much and she would pray and we would we would see her pray and then we would pray with her. And, like, she infused her like belief in 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 God and her and a higher power and how that was going to push her through all of it and it truly did Mm -hmm. (laughs) we survived I'm here to speaking to you because he did and so I think that put had an impression on me because Mm -hmm. it was it was powerful to for her to be able to seek refuge Mm -hmm. in her prayers and then feel as if somebody is there for you, even though you might not physically see them. Someone's here for you to support you and also hear you out and whatever you say. And and like if you're on the outskirts of society or poor and people are like showing you that you're lesser or you feel dehumanized or disenfranchised, that's so important to feel heard. Mm-hmm. And so um, like you're not that, alone. Yeah, you're not alone. And not only you're not alone, but you have the greatest yeah. power behind you. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that that shaped it. But I, I think that it's kind of always always felt like it. But I um, because I, I didn't have this structured way because um, I didn't have like the Sunday school, I made it really my own. And I think um, in more in like the last couple of years it's really flourished within me mm-hmm. where I, I seek refuge daily like I have that prayer and that that time to speak with God and um, I use that to like help me get through the the challenges that I have and I, and I think people call that faith <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm like what is the word what is the word no I and I think like um, when we began to talk about God I began to share a little bit more about me because that um, that aspect of my life identifies me like completely um, because not just because I grew up in a church, but because I believed it. A lot of people grow up in church, but they don't believe, you know, what they practice or what their parents practice. So it's more of like, you know, how do you make it your own? And I think I did that early on, like when I was little, because I fell in love with the Bible. And I also fell in love with like the fact that what you said about your mom, like she actually believed somebody was listening like, you know, that that's and that's the reason why when we were little, we experienced a lot of like um, chaotic things in our household, because, you know, when there's financial things happening, like a lot of other situations mm-hmm. also yeah. come like emotional, mental. Right. And all mm-hmm. that craziness that happens in the family, because stress, stress comes with that when finances mm-hmm. are not OK, like a lot of anxiety, a lot of even depression and things like that. So um, I would always like, you know, go to sleep. But I would always be praying, like begging for, you know, that God that we were learning about when we were little was real. So um, and that's the reason why now I encourage a lot of children like, you know, if you pray, God is listening because um, he listens to children more. And even like, you know, because I feel like that's true, because when we get older, we're not that innocent anymore. (laughs) We get stressed out. We forget to pray. (laughs) 
you know, and, and, and children do it with like a whole, a whole heart. Like they don't do it like, mm -hmm. you know, um, like doubting like about it. Or like routine. Exactly. Like I think that sometimes they're kind of stuck in a routine or a tradition and it's so automatic that like you're not really thinking about the words you're saying you're kind of just saying it yeah so i see that ha happening too and that's why i remember like telling the little kids one day when i used to teach um i was telling them about prayer and i was like you know it's a, like a real thing like i dare you to pray <laughs> for something you want and then um come back and tell me if you got it and i don't know why i did that but i, I don't know it was like a moment of faith or something that i had in, in that <laughs> moment but i really wanted them to believe it because it was like you know, six-year-old kids, seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds. And I was that age when I was praying for, um, you know, for God to restore our family, for God to, like, help our parents out and help our entire, you know, nuclear, like, that specific, like, you know, our immediate family because we've always been, like, really tight. And I think that's where I was, like, Lord, like, the only one who can actually restore this is you. And even though I didn't use those words because I was six years old. Mm -hmm. But for mm -hmm. me, it was, like, this is my prayer. You have to do something if you're real. And I remember the next week when I was teaching the kids after I dared them to do that, a little girl said, oh, I wanted to tell you a story. And I'm like, yeah. And she was like, do you remember when you were teaching us about prayer? And you said that we should pray for something and then we it would come true. And I'm like, uh-huh. And I was like, oh, crap, what's going to happen? And then she says, <laughs> she says, well, I prayed for a doggy and my mom got it for me. And I was like, okay. And it seems so simple, right? It, it seems like in like um like it doesn't matter. It's like oh no, it was just circumstance. The mom already had the plan to buy it, but she says that no, like her mom was really adamant of they're not getting one, they're not getting one. But she kept praying because I told her to pray, <laughs> and she told me, and it came true. And I was like so happy. I was like, thank you, Jesus. You know, because even in the smallest of things, like you know, like he could glorify himself. Um, and I remember when we began to talk about God, it was more of like, um, you were, I think you were going through some situations mm -hmm. and I yeah. was telling you, have you read the Bible? I remember asking you that one day and then she was like, was like oh, oh my gosh, not good. really. And then I'm like, well, have you heard about the fruits of the spirit? Cause I remember that was the first time we ever like spoke directly about it. Like mm -hmm. it's I don't always know. a nerve wracking thing to talk about faith because it's yes, like, it is. it's, it, and I think that, I mean, that's probably built upon some, some like worries and insecurities and like trying to be uniform or whatever. Mm -hmm. But um, I, that anyways, I, it, I think it's, in, it's comforting to know that you could talk about it and feel that like, you don't need to worry about those things. And it was only both of us in the office too, though. Cause I remember. Um... What, what do we say? Cause I, and I even remember this one. <laughs> Well, you were, I was coming in from who knows what, because I was always running around too. And then you were like across over there and you were just like sitting down. But um, I've always had this thing of like, I, I can read people's bodies. Like, you know, when, when people are like stressed out or something's Body happening, um, mm -hmm. I, I usually can, you know, probably discern like, you know, if there's something wrong. And the only question I asked you was, are you okay? <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then you said something like you're going through something or whatever, but then that you needed something to sort of like, like find peace or something like that. And, I'm, and that's when I asked you the question, have you read the Bible? And then you're like, no, you know, not really. And I'm like, have you heard about the fruits of the spirit? And you're like, no, what is that? And then <laughs> I told you that in one of my like, because we were we had two offices that time. 
And then mm-hmm. um, I told her, I, I told you, well, actually, I printed these things out um, from the computer because I needed to sort of like remind myself to stay like that. And then I told you the fruits of the spirit, what, what the Bible says that it's love, is mercy, is patience, right? It's kindness. And then you're like, oh, okay, can you print it out for me or something like that? And then I'm like, yeah. And that was, I, I still distinctly remember that was the first conversation we actually had about like openly. Because you're right, it is kind of like you want to keep it professional, right? Like the separation and everything. But that's when you sort of open the door for me to not be um, quiet about it. Because even the smallest of thing, like we, we can benefit somebody. And it's not we're, you know, telling people or like, you know, advocating like you should be this or you should be that. No, it's like, how can you pour out the goodness of it? Um, Because it doesn't have to be that, you know, just because I am a Christian, you have to be one. Mm -hmm. But if I can pour something good on you, then I think that's basically how I felt about it. Mm Because I didn't know what what your faith was until Mm -hmm. we started talking about it. Yeah, It's (laughs) complicated with my faith. (laughs) No, yeah. No, no, no. I think faith in general is complicated. Um, Yeah. But I think, do you share that with your with your family? Do you, oh yeah, they do you... know. They know now. It was very nerve wracking because, like, I, I you know, grew up Catholic, and I think that there are, the values are there because they was raised upon those values. Um, and then when I, I think I needed to explore more, and I still feel like I'm in that exploratory phase. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to know more about what other people's faith are, what what are their beliefs, and. And not only do I just want to know about it, but how do I use like the knowledge that I'm getting, just like how I use the experience I had in life to bring something positive to my life? Because mm-hmm. I also feel like faith is very personal. It is. And um, you can share it with people, but like it, you have to really have that personal um, thing within yourself to have that, you know, that really strong faith. Um, I, I so, agree. I think so I, then I, I yeah, yeah. I think right now I feel like more. I don't know. I have. I can't really put a label on it. Like, um, but I do. Like, I'm having this conversation with you. Like, I want to hear what you have to say. I want to hear your teachings. I want to hear your stories, <laughs> right? Because I want to see like what is it that I could get from that but also where are you coming from mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. i think that's, that's I remember, special i remember when we stopped working together that i think that we got even closer when we stopped working together yeah. because um we we spoke even more openly about um yeah. our experiences not only like in our professions but also like family and then also the faith part and i think yeah. um you mentioned to me dreams like oh, yeah. that you were so, having these dreams and i was like what? Yes, like... it's, it's girl. Yes, these dreams. So, I started to have like a lot of dreams in the last couple of years, and like basically every night, I'm I'm able to remember. Uh, a lot of people have dreams, but they forget. Yeah, I like remember my dreams, and I remember it to like a, some extreme detail sometimes. Um, if I'm like occupied, like there are times I forget my dreams or forget the details, but I tend tend to remember a lot of my dreams and all the specific details and the colors and like the like what's like I don't know like I could see lots of things so it's very very vivid dreams um so I I thought it was actually new 
And I was talking to my sisters about it. I'm like, oh, I had this dream. But you know what's funny? Like, this happened. And, you know, it's weird because I had this dream, like, weeks ago. But then this happened. And it was it was almost like like my dream was telling me something. Mm-hmm. And um, I had more and more experiences like that. And then I started to share it not only with my sisters and my mom. And then I remember my uncle was, he came to the, my mom's house one day. And he was like, you know, you always had dreams, right? And I was like, what? He was like, no, when you're little, you used to have dreams and your mom would tell me about them. Wow. And the weird thing is like some of those dreams came true. And I was like, what? No way. I thought this was new. But I do remember when I was a little kid, my mom, we would sleep in the same. We had a little cot. Yeah. Both of us would sleep in this cot. And so she would hold on to me. And uh, sometimes I had... Like I would have dreams and then I would wake up and we always had the same practice is she would ask me what I would, I would tell her that I have a dream and she would ask me what happened in my dream. And I would tell her and that no matter how scary my dreams were, if I could tell my mom about my dreams, I felt so much better and I would go back to sleep and not like have the nightmares again. Wow. And so she would also do the same for me. If she had a dream, she would like tell me, and so, yeah, there were their dreams. And I do remember some dreams that had come true. Like one um, time I had this same dream every single night for months, the same dream. And it was my sister um, in a hospital bed and she was turning to me at a certain angle and she was, and every day she would have this dream, I, I would have this dream and I, you know, I, I don't know why. So I, I told my mom and stuff. And then one day my sister got sick and mm. we had to go to the emergency room. Wow. And then I was sitting next to her bed and she turned to me and she looked at me at the exact same thing I've seen in my dream for months. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is my dream. <laughs> and I told her and she knew. And it, it came another, there was another, there was like a two other times was involving her and I was in high school I had a dream that um, we got into a car accident I remember every single part of the dream so I woke up I went to the car I or I was in the car and the car was like the the gas was revving in the car mm-hmm. and then um, driving out and then in my dream like we got into a crash and we were skidded across mm-hmm. um, I told this to my sister and I told, uh, and then it was, it was, it was always months in advance. And then it was her, she had an orientation and she had mm-hmm. to be there early in the morning. And uh, I was sleeping, she woke me up and she said, oh my gosh, I'm late for my orientation. Can you bring me? And I remember my dream and I was like, wait, and I was pressing the gas to heat up the car. And I was like, wait, wait, am I, am I the one that's supposed to have this, this accident? This accident? <gasps> so, and then she was like, um, scoot over, I'm gonna drive. And I thought about it. I'm like, maybe I'm the one that's going to have, have an accident. So if I go into the, the passenger seat and let her drive, maybe the accident won't happen. Then the accident happened exactly oh my goodness. how my dream happened. And then um, it, uh, yeah, but luckily we were both safe. Yeah. Somebody came. It was like the first person on the scene. We had skidded across the, all four lanes. And at the time, there was a lot of traffic. But somehow, we didn't hit any other cars besides, like, the the railing. Jeez. And the first guy that came out to help us, 
he had this tattoo of hands like this on his leg and i was like oh my gosh this is a sign <laughs> but I, um so yeah it had had the hands together in, in yeah. prayer formation um but that was another one there was a couple but um those are like some of them that that really stand out to me and then so after having that conversation started to connect the, the dots like oh maybe this is not just like a now thing maybe it happened yeah it did happen before yeah and that would make sense because i do remember some stories well, but there you, was a whole yeah, part we, of exactly when you started yeah. telling me about this um like the first verse that popped into my head was um in the book of joel so if you've never read it before i would recommend it because in the book of joel it talks about like in the in the times that you know like in the in, in spanish it says los últimos tiempos but in the last days of the world example like that in the last days of the world youth will have dreams and i was like interesting so this is if this is you know something that's supposed to happen like it's not and you're right it's not like a a now thing because I've had dreams too and they most of them some of them not most of them some of them have come true and I think um when you were telling me that I was like whoa you know like this is actually real like for me even you telling me that it was like confirming what I had already read because I'm a reader you know that about me mm -hmm. so I, I like to read a lot and um but I had never you know, been able to like visibly see something or, or, you know, like touch something. And I think when you were telling me that, I'm like, oh my goodness, like I'm not the only one who dreams then. Like this is actually like something that happens to a lot of youth around the world. Um, especially when you said like you had those foundations, you know, those Christian foundations or like, you know, godly, like mm -hmm. believing in a higher power foundations with your mom, like when she was praying, like that encircles an entire family. It's not only for her that she was probably praying for. I'm pretty sure she was like, you know, God protect my girls, you know, God, you know, like lead them into something good maybe in the future. And I think um, that's why when you were telling me that I'm like, whoa, like God is real. <laughs> like this is like for real. Um, so that's what I, yeah, that's what I thought when you were when you told me those stories, because I think that that happened when after we stopped working together and even though we would see each other. But that's I, that's what I remember. I think I think sometimes we're meant to meet certain people. And I think like, you know, you're one of those people because I it's hard to find somebody who's gone through similar things that I have gone through mm -hmm. and are at the place that I am. Because I know people who've gone through, you know, grew up in my community that had a hard time navigating getting higher education, and and not try, not to say that that's a better way. That's that's not the path for everybody. Um, but um, it's it's really nice to see somebody who has a similar um, drive and similar experiences, and you know. Um, and you're also in, in like the health field too. So <laughs> it really helps because a lot, when I was going through, I went to Cal and then I went to USF. And it was hard for me to find somebody who was like me. It's hard to have those conversations about, you know, the, the difficult times in the life and how it shaped me when you don't have people who have that same experience. So I definitely felt like that was was super important that I met you and you met me and we actually helped each other out right we did a lot yeah yeah so tell me about your <laughs> master's degree 
I know that there's I'll tell you the journey to that because Glenda had a lot to do with it um for anyone who's listening Glenda's amazing just so everybody knows um so um when I met Glenda she had just graduated right you had just graduated from you from Mm -hmm. USF and then um for the behavior health not public health but Mm -hmm. um and then you started seeing me work and you were like oh, you can easily get, like, a graduate. And I'm like, nah. Like, that's just not for me. Like, for some reason, I had never um, dreamt, you know, of going to, like, higher education or getting a master's because it seemed like, honestly, it seemed like an impossible thing Um, because I knew that graduate program, especially, like, the way that we grew up, like, that doesn't seem like something that you have to do and also that you shouldn't probably do because then it comes in, like, with, like, you know, loans or, you know, having to do, like, an extra Um, so my dream was only to go to a four year college, which I did. And, you know, and I was the first one in my family, but I never thought like, oh, it's going to take me more than that. So when we started working together, um, you, along with another girl that we both know, um, had just graduated from the same school and then you both kept pushing me. And I, I have mentioned this before in the second episode of our first season where I mentioned you and also the other girl that we know, because, I honestly felt during those times that you two were like two angels. And I'm not kidding about this <laughs> because um, I really felt that. I, f- I felt that way because I had no one else, you know, in my community, my faith community, but also in my family that had gone through the four-year college thing. Only like probably two other people had done it, but they were not really into academics. You know, they were not passionate about like, you know, going into their own careers. And most of them had gotten the degrees it never worked in their field that they studied. So none of them, I felt like that connection, right? Like that they were actually passionate about making the world a better place, which is what mm-hmm. public health, behavioral health, and all those health professions are about. Um, and I'm pretty sure marketing changes the world because it does. <laughs> but, um, you know, specifically like that, you know, uh, focus or vision, right? And mission of like, we can actually accomplish something greater if we focus on the people themselves. So, which is what I felt like public health was about, which is the reason why I got the bachelor's first. And then when I met both of you, you two were like, I think you both can rule the world. That's what I think. (laughs) But um, not yet. You shall, maybe one day. Um, But when I saw you both working, you were passionate, you were respectful of each other, and also um, you welcomed, you know, anyone who wanted to sort of like, come into that like group of people you know that that you saw that that passion too or that motivation and there was like a fire you know burning in both of you that I knew I had but I had never explored that because I again I had never had the opportunity to meet people like myself and you're right I think that's how we connected a lot because we are very similar um and I was able to express myself in that way with both of you so when you two I don't know if you guys saw like something in me or potential, whatever, but that's the way I saw it, that you both were pushing in a very motivational way. And that's when I started praying. And then I'm like, if this is you, God, you know, through these two girls that I feel like they're angels coming from the heavens or something, you know, to support (laughs) me and help me because you two looked over my personal statement. You told me what I needed. Um, you told me that it wasn't like a huge, you know, you know, mountain that I had to climb. It was really easily. I only had to open a door and say yes to it, which is what I felt. You know, like you made it sound like, oh, it is possible. 
with something that seemed like completely impossible in my life. So then when I got accepted, I was like, whoa, no way. This is like for real. <laughs> this is like really happening. And then and I knew from that beginning that I was incredibly thankful to you and also to the other girl that we know, because you both are the ones who just I don't know. You guys are so you're inspirational. That's what I feel like it is. And then when I graduated this summer with an MPH, I was like, whoa and then you you know you attended my online <laughs> graduation and then you know you even saw my presentation at the end like honestly that's what a friend is you know somebody who like stays with you like from the beginning and then sees you through it to the end mm -hmm. um and I think we're gonna accomplish a lot of great things in our lives maybe right now we don't know what direction we're supposed to go into um mm -hmm. but the fact that you know, you helped me to accomplish something that probably seemed impossible. And even to this day, even in my family and in also in my faith community, I'm the only one like that is actually working in the field that they studied in their bachelor's and the only one who got a master's. That's a huge thing. I know. That's, I, I have know. to say, like, really, I... For me, it feels like you're thanking me, but I really want to thank you. And I'm like, happy. I think USF was lucky to have it, it, you know, was lucky to have you as a student and is lucky to have you as a graduate because you represent some something that they hope to represent, which is like changing the world for a positive, you know, <laughs> to, to something more positive. Um, yeah. And I, I, I understand, I hear you when you say, you didn't know that that was possible because I, I definitely felt that, like, especially after high school. And you could probably talk about that too. We could probably share that because there might be yeah. listeners who got hurt or at that stage. I went uh, in high school. I didn't know anybody who went to college. Mm -hmm. I didn't think it was, I heard that it's expensive. And so I thought like, Oh, I'm going to go in the military because that's the way I could make money and help my family. Cause you know, we're poor and, um, you and know, they'll pay for my education and pay for my education. Yeah. And the problem with that is if my heart's not into defending and being in the military, then that probably wasn't the right direction. And I think maybe God knew that <laughs> because I remember telling my ROTC teacher that I want to go into the military. And the first thing he said, and he's supposed to be helping me go there it's like supposed to be a, a pipeline yeah but he said no Glenda you're meant to do other things wow. somebody who's actually he went into the military he's our uh JROTC teacher and he said no Glenda you're meant to do other things and I was surprised I was like no I didn't believe him I was like no I'm not gonna do that it was so expensive then one day um so, so it, then one day, I think the, the college and career center person, mm -hmm. um, she bumped into me in the hallway and she said, hey, I have this application. I want you to fill it out. And I didn't even know what the application was. But apparently he had talked to her, the college and career center person, and said, hey, you need to have Glenda on your radar. Talk to her. So she gave me this application for a scholarship to UC Berkeley. And I was like, I was really respectful of my elders. So I'm like, I'm not going to not do it. Like, if you ask me to do it, I want to do it. And so I did it. And I, I didn't even have a computer to work on. So I used um, my RTC te teacher's computer to type 
my essay and I forgot to close it. And <laughs> he read the essay because um, I printed it out and I, and I yeah. gave it to the lady and she, he read the essay and he was like, you're going to get in and you're going to get this scholarship. And I didn't even really know what it is about. I didn't see how important it was because I, you know, I, ha- I wasn't really introduced to like higher education. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anybody who went to college. Um, and then I had my interview and I ended up getting it and I ended up going to UC Berkeley that way, having it have a, wow. got, got a full ride basically. But if you don't, know that it's possible because you haven't seen other people mm-hmm. and you don't have a pipeline there's not a helping hand like walk you through the that process it's so much harder even though it's just an application like it's harder because you don't have that person like encouraging you and walking you through the process but when you do have somebody who, who holds your hand and says hey you you have the potential you're amazing yeah this is you know you, you can do this and that's exactly how I felt with you. I knew, like, I, would, I already thought that you were going to go to graduate school, but I knew, like, you had so much potential because I worked with you, and you're, like, really on point. You're also passionate. you like, you're very professional. Like, like I see you're, you thinking in all different ways. So I see, like, your strength. And so I knew that it would be a piece of cake for you to get into wow. a master's program. See, I didn't yeah. see that. <laughs> It's crazy what we don't see. But I think you're right because um, there there was no hold, you know, no one holding your hand. Like you're like my parents, you know, one of them finished high school and the other one only went up to seventh grade. And education in in Central America is way different than the the United States anyway. So it it was very difficult to even understand or because even their math was different you know in the in the way that they teach it so when I was elementary school none of them could help me like the only ones who could would just be my older sisters when they wanted to (laughs) (laughs) so um but I always found school to be like a refuge for me um because Mm -hmm. I found it really um like an escape you know but not in a bad way you know how like people say like like you know drinking or you know doing drugs or whatever it is like that's an escape from life it wasn't an escape to escape life it was more like to find an explanation for what's the purpose of it and I think when you say like you saw that already in me that you would already know is interesting because um that was never my dream my dream was never to go to a graduate school it was just like you know graduate your bachelor's because that's something I did dream when I was little and then you know like work and work your butt off you know and and do anything that you can to like be successful in that area you know get your own car you know maybe in the future buy your house because you only you're only thinking about that like you know settling like being stable seeing other people who have that and you don't see people outside of that so you don't know exactly so my brother when I graduated from SF State first he said you raised the bar and I'm like whoa you know, like I because he he showed me that he was actually proud of me and he, he had not been able to graduate college. You know, um, he did graduate, you know, with his GED and everything, but he never showed me like any um, like jealousy or anything like that. He was just like, OK, you know, you did it. And then when I graduated from the master's, like he was also the first one who said they surprised me when it came in the mail. My hair was 
totally horrible. But I, because I was like laying down in my room, and then the, he knocked on my door and he said, "Hey, um, my dad needs your help with something." And I'm like, "Okay." And usually that happens because in my house, <laughs> that usually happens. So, um, but they were standing there. And when I turn around, I'm like, "What just happened?" And then they started clapping, and my sister started playing a song. Is this um, Lecrae song? He's a rap, a Christian rapper. That is called Always New. And I think we, you and I. Oh actually... my gosh, I know who he is. I know. <laughs> no way. Um, yeah. Yay. Okay. Yeah, I do know. Okay. Yes. So then yeah. that song specifically, I related it to, to it so much because the song Always New, I told them this is going to be my anthem because in the song he says, um, even though a lot of people are not going to understand what I'm saying, but I come from being you know, um, poor, basically, that's what he's saying. I come from being government fed. And now you're play- you're paying me because you're hearing the words that I'm saying. And I was like, whoa, you know, like, because he did a whole, you know, 180 from how he grew up and everything. Because he talks about eating like government cheese, government, you know, meats and all these things. And um, and then at mm-hmm. the end, he's all like, I know it's not, it's not all about me. I know God, God had a lot to do with it because when I feel like I'm already you know, paying, right, paying him back, I'm still not there yet. And I was like, this is my song. And then they started playing it. And then my sister showed me, no, my mom or my dad showed me the envelope with my diploma. And I started crying because I'm like, this is a huge thing, you know, in my family. And um, like the fact that it happened, how it happened, it was like in the most intimate way. We were all in our PJs. You know, we were all just like, you know, sitting in a circle waiting for me to open, um, the envelope and then when I saw it I was like whoa like my name is there and it says that I graduated from master's so and now they're like and I told them I miss school and then my sister's like you're ridiculous and then (laughs) um and I'm like no because I enjoy learning that's something that I I love to do and and thank you um for saying what you said about me but honestly I do think you you were like you're one of those people like you're right we were meant to you know get to know each other and meet one another and then you know like push each other for for greatness basically and I know I know that you're the type of person that you give back so I I know that you'll have a time where you're sitting in my and I'll someone will be zooming you or whatever the service will be and they're going to say thank you to you because you, you lended a hand out and you walked them through the process that they thought was intimidating and you make it possible. I, I could see that already. You, you probably already do that now. <laughs> uh, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, like one of my sister's friends, um, she comes from like immigrant parents. So the same thing as me. And then um, she's the first one in her family to go to college. And then she's also like the eldest and I'm not the eldest, but I had to take a lot of responsibility like the eldest, such as like you, um, Mm -hmm. in order, you know, to help the family basically, because we love Mm -hmm. them. So we do whatever we can. Um, And she's doing the same thing and she was struggling. We went during the summer to visit her up north and then um, she was crying because I could feel in her like there was a worry, the same thing, the same worry, you know, feeling I had when I was thinking about even applying for not the four year college. For me, that was not like my fear. The only fear came for graduate school because, you know, the only thing you're thinking about is the dollar signs. Right. You're mm-hmm. not really thinking about anything else. You're like, I know you can do this. You know, you can accomplish this. But it's always like the money that it's always in question mm-hmm. when you grow up in a very 
unstable financial household. So, um, and I told her, you know, you can do this, right? And then she was like, you know, thank you for saying that. And I'm like, yeah, because, you know, that's what the way that you talk to me. And I think you're right. Like, you know, it's about like sending that hand for anyone else who needs it. Um, but yeah, that's what I wanted to say. <laughs> that you're oh, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I wanted to say something about because I'm like connecting our stories, right? Mm-hmm. And we both had the experience of not only us, but, you know, our parents or generations before us being disenfranchised, feeling powerless feeling less than human in in our society because we're poor or immigrants or whatever the category they, you know, put us in. And when you feel that you feel powerless, Mm -hmm. when you feel that you don't know if you could make it, you, when you feel that when people look down on you, it's hard for you to believe in yourself. And I'm here to tell the the listeners or whoever, if they're young women or young people in general who've gone through that, it is not as hard as you think it is. Mm-hmm. And that all the stuff you've gone through makes you resilient. Yeah. And school is a piece of cake yeah. because in life, you could do your work hard, work hard, work hard your whole life, but you might not be able to see the fruits of your labor or you might not be able to get all the things that you feel like you deserve for all your hard work but at school it's simple yeah. you take the you study you take the test and you get your your good grade mm-hmm. and so that's why re- uh, school was a refuge for me because it made like life was so complex and I was working so hard and I didn't get the A at the end of the semester. I didn't get the yeah. good job or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when school, it's like, all right, it's simple. <laughs> all I need to do is study or write this thing. And then, you know, I'll get the grade or, you know, be able to show up and, and listen. And so the people who think that they can't do can't do higher education, I'm telling you that you can. Especially if you come from the background that we came from with all our, you know, struggles. Yep. It makes you resilient. Mm-hmm. It makes you strong. It makes you you creative. It makes you adaptive. Yeah. And so all those skills, you can use it not only in education, but your career. Yeah. And so I'm telling you, people like that, people who hear us and who, who identify with us, you are amazing too, and you can do it. And it's funny yeah. that you say um, resilient because – before we came on the call right now, that is exactly the word that I want that I chose to describe you. And not, I'm not kidding. Like I could show you the paper right now. <laughs> okay, show me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's the, like the opposite. Um, because you know the the screen probably doesn't show yeah. it the right yeah. way. But I wrote it down because I'm like that is exactly what describes Glenda. And resilience means the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties, toughness. And then the second one says the ability of a substance or object to spring back into shape, elasticity. And I'm like, that's exactly what she is. Like nothing <laughs> that um, since we've known each other and you shared a lot of like, you know, personal things with me, nothing in your past has ever kept you down. 
like ever and it just you know you know you spring up again and and you just continue on and and push forward and i think that is exactly the word and i i, I like that the fact that you did it what a coincidence um but i just think that it's, it describes you perfectly you are like that person that recovers quickly from difficulties even though you suffer a lot you probably cry a lot as well but um you grow tough because of it and you don't keep, you know, anger or frustration inside of you. Instead, like you use it for the benefit of others as well. So um, it's, it's interesting that the fact that you yeah. use that word. <laughs> so. You know, I was thinking it about this like conversation too. And and then the one of the things that I thought describes you is you like are a challenger. Like you, you, you take a, like I feel like a lot of times you have been challenged to challenge. Like you have these experience and you challenge. And that's what I love about you. Like you ask pointed question. You're so sharp. Like you, you want to explore and you want to know. And um, I think that, I think that is that divine part in you. It's like a divine skill that you have. You know how like, I know some some stories of the Bible and some of the stories that I do remember from what my mom discussed is, you know, Jesus, he like hung out with, with the people who were like kind of rejected by the mainstream society. He, you know, he hang out with the lepers, you know, people who are poor, people um, who were shunned by society and he embraced them. And not only did he embrace them, but he found like this, he found something that he wanted to fight for. Yeah. Um, not in like a violent way, but what he, he found like um, there are stories of, I mean, he was, he was arrested because as a rebel. Yeah. As like a, and, and, and the only thing that he was really rebelling against is um, some, some traditions that were, or I guess like rules that felt unjust especially unjust to the people who are at the margin of society or marginalized. So uh, she knows I her see... Bible people. She knows her Bible. <laughs> I don't know a lot, but I do know he flipped a, he flipped the table, oh, or, you did. know, in the, yeah. in the temple. Yeah. Can, let me hear that story. Cause no, it, it was, I think it's one of the things that you described Jesus perfectly actually, because that's exactly what he did. Um, he just revolutionized the whole thing of what a Christian is because it was really uh, religious. Like back in the day of what it meant to believe in God, it meant you, you know, you do your prayers, you do your offerings, you do your sacrifices, and you have to live like A, B, C, and D. If you step out of this norm, then obviously you're not a believer and you're against God. But it was not against God that you were doing it. In their eyes, it was against God or however they wanted to define what Christianity meant. But it actually was um, against the norm that the systems of men had put forth. So he came and he said, is not that I came to, um, you know, not follow the law. What I came to do is to show what it actually is, like what the law is, because the law of God is not to just do your ABCs and Ds is about, you know, actually putting forth like the action of it. And I think you're a great example of somebody who's putting forth, you know, like what it is to be 
a believer. Um, and that's what exactly what Jesus did. Like what, the way that you describe him of spending time with people that no one wanted to spend time with. Um, that's exactly what he does because when you said that he wasn't fighting with violence, but he was fighting with love. And I think it's even harder because a lot of the people that we studied in our own history in the United States with civil rights, they were fighting with love. They were fighting not with violence and then they were attacked for it because, you know, they didn't want to punch somebody. What they wanted to do was preach kindness. And for people who are more prone to violence, that's like a slap in their face for them, right? Because they want to argue with you. Like they want to throw fists. But what you want to do is like, let me try to reason with you with my words. And Jesus kept trying to do that. But it was very difficult, especially with people who were really religious, because they didn't want to confront that. And then they were judging people for not doing the ABCs. But then in that story about him flipping the table, he was entering the temple where supposedly is where you do the prayers, right? Or where you do the singing or whatever it is. And they were selling. They were selling like, you know, their goods. They were selling food. They were selling all this. And a temple or a house of prayer is not about that. It's about like really having, you know, an intimate moment with Jesus. So or with God. Um, and then he flipped the table and said, are you guys serious? You have made my house a prayer, a house of thieves. And he was so angry because he was such like there was such a jealousy inside of him for the the holiness of it. Like everybody's faith, like you said, like you, you're trying to discover different, you know, what people believe in. Right. And why or et cetera. A lot of people who are very, um, you know, who have a strong faith in their lives they will describe you like that that jealousy like a, a holy jealousy like if you step into my home where I have you know because uh, uh, I do actually have in my room like a love seat where is directly above my books and then that's where I do my prayers in the morning or in the afternoon etc if somebody comes and tries to like you know dirty it or put a bunch of things on top of my chair that would definitely upset me because that's my moment that's my place. Mm -hmm. So that's what, yeah. that's the reason why he flipped the table. And people say, oh, see, Jesus got angry too. Yeah, he did. Because he was also in the flesh and he was human. So, but yeah. we can have a holy jealousy for what is good. You know, other people yeah. have jealousy because they want to defend, you know, what they believe in and things like that, which is fine. But he never did it with a rage. What he did was like, let me show you what a house of prayer means to me as a son of God. And that's basically what he did. And I don't know, like I enjoy telling people the stories of Jesus all the time because <laughs> the way that you described him is exactly what he did. That, that yeah, That's think, who he was. I think it's like, there's a difference between, I think you could be, sometimes I think peacefulness gets mixed up with pleasantness and mm -hmm. the person who's not, who's not um, upset or the person who doesn't seem you know, not happy is a peaceful one. But I think that um, in this situation for him, he wanted to see peace for all of society and the people who are at the margins of society. And he didn't want corruption and mm -hmm. money to corrupt um, something that's supposed to be holy from my interpretation of it. Um, and hit for maybe for him, he felt peace would really be in like, and taking away that corruption, yeah, <laughs> flipping that corruption over. Um, so I, I, what I like, bringing it back to you. What I like about you, I like that you 
ask questions. I like that you could be passionate and I like that you could, that you want to discover and challenge. And I think that's like a divine part of you because ultimately behind that is love. Behind that mm-hmm. is, is just, behind that is serving people, behind that is serving community. And the whole reason why you have that fire in you is because you have this passion for humanity, passion for your community. And I think that that's something that we could see in like, in what Jesus does in his acts, like was that passion of, of trying to bring, you know, people together and yeah. not like make them be outcast. Um, there's probably more to it. There's probably more to it. Like, I know that they don't know. I don't, I haven't done like the Sunday school, but there's probably more to it, but I want, I want people to like, it would be okay to embrace that part of them, that that part of a, is a divine part of them. Thank um, you. No, like you're the second person that calls me a challenger. The first one is my mom. And I think, uh, you, you know, a lot of people don't like that about me. So I actually, <laughs> it makes me laugh. Um, and it makes me laugh because I feel like a lot of people don't like to be challenged. And I think that happened a lot in this. Um, it happens a lot in this path, you know, that we've chosen to believe in God. Because um, you can't question your Sunday school teachers. Because for them, it would be a challenge, right? Because you're questioning what they're teaching. But it's not that you're questioning, you know, them, you know, as their own beliefs. What you're questioning is you're trying to understand mm-hmm. what it yeah. means, yeah. you know? You want to go deeper. Exactly. That means you have interest. You want to go deeper. Yes. That's yeah. like, a, that's a, you should embrace that. So, like, I, I like that part of you, and I think it's a divine part of you that, God gave you that set of skills and you're really good at it too. <laughs> and like to embrace that. And I think there are other, other, especially um, young women and um, who it's okay to embrace that. Like it's okay to embrace that part that wants to challenge, that wants to go deeper, that wants to mm-hmm. know more. And like you, you have it in you and you're strong. You can do it. So. I think when you just said that right now, it, 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 it we we're almost done for this mm-hmm. part but i feel like we would definitely be privileged to have you back and talk more about um women you know like you know talk about like because right now you just said something that's super important that a lot of women don't like to challenge anything mm-hmm. because we feel like oh no we're gonna be seen as the you know rebels right or the mm-hmm. ones who are causing trouble or the ones who are just like they're challenging or, people, or did they're or, trying to know, defiant people yeah. yeah people name them with mm-hmm. a b which is oh is, yes was wrong yeah but so that's what that's yeah. what women are called though when they challenge when a man challenges is is not called like that at all it's not even they're not it's challenging me we're just discussing we're having a conversation but how come we can have a conversation with you too you know it's just those questions that always pop in my head but i love asking questions about Jesus because I am sure somebody's asking that question too, you know, and how, how can we come together to a, an answer? And because I know the answer is in the Bible. So that's the reason why, let me ask you, you know, let me challenge you. Let's talk about it. You know, let's try to discover something. Um, but before we, we sign out, do you, do you have anything to say to our listeners, you know, I actually, I kind of want to hear that song by Lecrae. <laughs> like, Yay! you take me, I go. Take, <laughs> something like that. 
I, I hope that you put it together in this podcast where you can end with a little clip of that because I feel Ooh, like that's, yeah. that's a good that's some good hype. Oh man, um, that song is just the first time I heard it, I'm like, he knows what I'm talking about. That's <laughs> <laughs> why I, I love and he came out with this new album called Restoration and it's when he finally met his dad for the first time. And he's an older man already. But um and he talks about like almost losing his faith too, which I think is so important right now and like 2020 really shook things up for Christians all around the world and believers. Like it was just one of those years that the, the church global church in general, because a a church doesn't only mean like if you go to a church, like the Bible describes it as in a universal church, the people who are actually believers. So the, the universal church and how we saw it. And we were even talking about it with my parents and with my sisters that this year shook the church like in a very different way because they couldn't meet each other, right? They they had to do everything through Zoom or they had to do different things and also discover different things about themselves or how also where was their faith? Was it strong or was it weak? So it was a really like a reflective year. And when Lecrae came with this album Restoration and he had so many songs that anyone can relate to, I was like... God bless him and God help his ministry wherever it's going to go because, and I'll put that song at the end. Don't worry, listeners, I'll do it. But I wanted to leave you with a verse um, because I think it describes you perfectly. Um, And is um, Micah chapter seven, verse eight, that says, rejoice not over me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. So I think it describes resilience um, because the enemy can laugh when we're down, but one day we w- we will rise. And I think Maya Angela also wrote a poem about this in Phenomenal, Phenomenal Woman, if I'm not mistaken. And then it says, when I sit in darkness, which there are those moments that are really sad or really depressing. Um, but then at the end, you're like, but the Lord will be my light. So I wanted to leave that with you because uh, I think you're yeah, the you. most resilient person so far. Aside from my mom and my dad, that that I have met that really sticks to their guns, you know, and you don't you don't waver, and I think that's what um, keeps you really steady, and that what describes in resilience is like the toughness, and I think I I love you for that. You're amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Can you send that to me? I will. Yes. Yes. I'll send you the verse and I'll put it also for all the listeners. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Um, This is Glenda Kith. You know, you never actually told us your name in the beginning. I'm so sorry. Oh, yeah. No, it's okay. Well, I'll tell you the name, the meaning of my name because I just found out. (gasps) Tell us. Tell us. My full name because it's actually in different languages. Yeah, tell us. So, Glenda means um, good or of God. Okay. And then my middle name means the way. Mm-hmm. And my last name to, means to think. So it's, if you put it together, godly or good way of thinking. Perfect. I'm going to add that also <laughs> to the post. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, that was Glenda Kith. And um, if we can have you back on another episode, it would sure. be a pleasure to talk more about all the girls who are also believers and all the women and men who probably think that um, reaching like higher, you know, academic success is impossible. If you were born in, you know, different, different circumstances, probably the other privileged people have been in. Um, But nothing is impossible, especially if you have God on your side. And if you're doing everything that you can in your own power too, because it it does take consistency 
It's not just about like applying, yeah. but you actually have to put work on it. So um, thank you, Glenda. You're amazing. Yeah. So, so much. Uh, thank you for having me. Of course. Of course. We can't have you back. So we can wait to have you back. Cause you playing back the words that I said. I can't believe we made it through. My mama say she ain't surprised. Told me that she always knew.